You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remsa Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. That's next hour or so. That's a good way of putting it. Oh, shit. Okay. What? No, I just said it's being recorded. I was joking about the, uh, the, point, the little voice thing. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I don't like the women talking to me either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be our cold open. Actually, th- th- this is literally the, the, the cold open because I, I thought of this question before I made that misogynistic statement um, canceled. <laughs> but um, I, I, I do have a question, Dale. And, yeah. and this is literally like I was on the phone with a friend a moment ago. He's, he's going through some life stuff, but he's also starting a big project. And yeah. I, I, won't, I won't get into details, but I think there's a good segue into what, what we're going to talk about. Do you think that men and women are born with the same inherent value? Yes. Why? Because they're crea- they're both created in the image of God. Despite they're, the they're, fact that Eve e- came out of the rib. They're equal, but are, do they have the same value? I would I would say yes, and that's not SJW bullshit. I would. What I, and now, the way you can look at that, though, the other way is with men, we go into war, we, we do the hard shit, we get up on ladders, we get on lifts and are terrified for, you know, two hours and... 15 minutes and we come back down and deal with it but so you could say where men are more expendable but that's one way of looking at it i don't know if that makes any sense that 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 makes a ton of sense and i mean it gets tricky because of how it's how it's phrased sometimes i mean i you know i'll say i'm a feminist i think a woman can be president i think women are capable of screwing up america as much as all the male presidents have so you know i don't want to i don't want to sound like i want to leave the ladies out of that but it's like you know i have been i've been watching some stuff and reading some things i didn't intend on like jumping into like the gender uh discussion online and stuff like that but i just i you know i believe that inherently as human beings we are equal under Mm -hmm. the law we should be equal, but yep. I don't believe that men and women are born with inherent value. And this is leaving the whole like, you know, male privilege and shit out of it. Women are born with value. Women can give birth. Women are more maternal. Women are born of beauty. Even ugly chicks are born of beauty as somebody. But like, you know, men aren't. 
Men, men are yeah. only, I, I feel that men, and this isn't like a recent thing. I think this has been the history of civilization. Men are only seen as valuable by what they do and what they create. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that that's not, that that's, I don't think that's a controversial statement, but you know, this whole thing of, well, you know, he's got a great personality. He, he's, he's a nice person. It's like, yeah, but that's not the same as valuable because I know a lot of, you know, very nice people who don't provide value to themselves or to others. Yep. And you know, men, you know, while I, I definitely think that, you know, being a homemaker and staying at home is a good option for women. I'm not saying that that's good for every woman. There's a reason why it's still stigmatized to be like a stay at home father or something. And I think that's just as admirable. But the thing is, like, we'll never, no matter how progressive society gets, that stigma will never leave because we only see men, men as what value they really bring and seeing a man in like a homemaker role. while that can be just as important. That's not the same in many ways. No, it's not. But here's the other thing with that homemaker role. If a, if there's a stay at home dad while he's watching the kid, he can put the kid in the, in the bouncy thing. And if he has the skills, he can go fix shit around the house. If he has to, you know, gotta, gotta lay some trim down or, you know, fix a, you know, fix a hole in the ceiling or whatever. I mean, he could, if he's capable, he can still do that. I mean, he could start an online business. Yep. Yep. Do any yeah. number of things. Yeah. I mean, it's not about like where, whether he goes into an office or wears a suit or not, it's about what he brings and what he creates. And, um, you know, I, I know, I know some women who like definitely like that whole trad conservative type of thing, but they would even be triggered by me saying that. And it's just like, no, if you're a woman, you don't even have to be a 10. You could just do a little bit of work on yourself, very minimal work, honestly. And if you wanted to go out and never work a day in your life, that is actually open for you. You can go yep. ahead and find somebody who can provide that for you. You're a guy. And even if you're like a Keanu Reeves, a good looking dude, you can't do that. It's not the same. Yep. Because women just by being born have more value inherent than men now could women go and create more value yeah but it's not it's not equal at, uh, on the offset mm-hmm. well what's the what brought the i'm just curious what brought that on because i thought i thought i was gonna be hawking orthodoxy for an hour <laughs> oh well you know i i i i thought yeah, th- th- this will jump into my orthodox stereotypes but it's just you know that he, he gets i it's i don't want to say he specifically but i know a lot of men who are content creators who get upset that they put a lot of work into stuff, but they'll never be as successful as a woman wearing a push-up bra streaming video games on online. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. It's not the same. And I'm not going to say that it's ever going to be the same, but know, know what you're getting into. Yep. Don't, don't be upset. You can be upset about it. I can be upset about it sometimes, but it's not even worth it because you know, you're not on the same playing field. Nope. Unless you want to, well, I'm not going to get into that whole, that whole mess. I was going to make a, this is not going to get edited. So I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> there, there was a show, uh, there, there's a podcast I listened to called fresh and fit. I like those guys. I don't agree with everything they say, but it's, it's a really cool show. And they had a kickboxing world champion, Andrew Tate on. And mm-hmm. Andrew Tate is basically doing this, like, you know, one-to-one debate with like this only fans chick who. Is Why is he debating her? Why isn't he just watching her? I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't mean, advocate for that sort of thing, but just con- content, content needs to be created somehow. And they thought that this would be the way. So like this guy, Andrew Tate grew up poor. His dad was a, a world 
chess champion, stuff like that. Went on to be a kickboxing world champ. Started, he, he, he calls himself a webcam pimp. He actually started like a webcam business for other women where he basically managed it. And then he got into oh, real fuck. estate and other things. So this guy is a multimillionaire and he plays up this online playboy lifestyle. So here you have somebody who actually created a bunch of shit. And whether you like his personality or not, he created a ton of value for himself and others. And he's arguing with this woman who's an attractive woman. But, you know, every everything she does is about, you know, like... She, she's not a porn star, but she's like, you know, I could I could show my tits on TV and make a hundred grand. And she's like, who are you to talk to me? I made a million dollars yesterday. And it's just like, yes, she she's a she's a very rich person. People obviously, quote, care about what she does. But it's like that's not the same. She she yeah. she was she was born of it. Am I saying she she obviously goes to the gym? Yeah, she goes to the gym. She puts on makeup. She knows how to make herself marketable, and she does things that she know will make her money. But to say that uh, you know, if let's say they have the same net worth, to say that she's putting as much value into the world as this guy, it's not it's not the same. Yeah. Well, that to bring it back to a little bit of orthodoxy, what she does crosses at least two commandments, if not more coveting and uh adultery but i'll, I'll just leave it at that <laughs> well, well, well we'll jump into it now i'm glad that we went ahead and just pissed off a lot of people oh my uh, god Ramzo, you i got i gotta say this about you first i was i was screwing around with some of my friends at church uh today we at coffee hour and i told you about that and we we basically gather up we're a non-criminal gang and we basically just say shit to each other they're all white people so you don't have to worry uh no, nope. uh, I, I have a I have a tack end onto this. We we just say shit to each other to make each other laugh or uncomfortable, and then laugh. Like I said in our in our conversation before the show, but then after all of that, what wound up happening was one of the vegans um, in the that's actually a vegan who's part of our church. Um, he came up to me and said, "Hey," he basically said to me, "Hey, tone it down with with your voice because you might offend people that don't know you." And I'm like, "Great." And then I just told him, look, they should be able to tell by my tone and cadence that I'm just fucking around. And I was a little more polite in church. And granted, hopefully I'm not already like, you know, scuttling the sale of orthodoxy here by the language I use. I'm a tradesman. I, I fix things. I, I break things and fix them. And, you know, I use that language on the job and I use it in everyday life. And I make the priest laugh when I do it. So go away, whatever. But... Yeah, that I, was I had point. I had a friend of mine comment the other day. She's like, you know, you're so brave. She, she's an actual friend, so this wasn't patronizing. But she's like, you know, you're so brave for doing a podcast. I'd be so afraid I would say something that would get me in trouble. And I'm like, the people that would get me in trouble never listen to the show. And well, even, when I was gonna... even if they wanted to find something to get me in trouble, they wouldn't be able to get past 20 seconds. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, you're like, you're. I, I think I, I thought I was like way to the ceiling with with pissing people off but you're just like at a fucking whole other level and i appreciate that about you man so you, you try and get canceled by the media twice before you're 30 and you have a very skew view of the world i'm just at the point where it's just like i just have to fucking survive and i could be happy happiness is a choice but uh yes, you know, it is. I, I wanted to i wanted to bring you on today one thing i really like doing is i like looking into different worldviews and religions and stuff like that um 
two two reasons. One, I think it's good for listeners because it broadens their perspective, but it also makes them ask themselves a lot of questions. And my thing is like, it doesn't matter what answer you find as long as you answered the question, because a lot of people yes. are just afraid of questions, regardless of the answer. One thing I always hate is people who are like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded and this type of stuff. But it's like, you get them to to, to stand on an issue and they either just try and avoid it at all costs, which means they don't have an answer or they do actually have an answer and they're not as open-minded. But it's also been like, I I've been on a, a spiritual journey for many years. And I think a lot of this, the questions and the struggles that I've had throughout the process are a lot of things that a lot of other men deal with. And I think men deal with this in a, in much more of like a, a harsher way than women do. I think, I think men are more are more willing to have like an existential crisis than women typically do. It's just an observation, but you know, like I, I I am I am firmly rooted on a couple of things. I'm a biblical Christian. I believe that you know, and I'm down to like the younger theory. Like Genesis is for me history, and you know, when it comes to you know the the tenets of Christianity, and I I, I already know one thing you and I are going to disagree on. Like you know, I'm I'm. Trinitarian, believe that Jesus Christ was yep. both man and God. Yep, we're, and, we're, uh, we're actually we're on the same page with that. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so so like I I've been I've been bringing people on, and you know you you reached out after the the episode of Hody Johns about Mormonism, and Hody's one of those weird people that I I've met where it's like he started on one way and they went to Mormonism, but then he left the LDS Church and he still has like a blended. Mormon theology and I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how you justify it, but if it makes sense to you, then I'm not going to criticize it. You know where I stand figure, you know, hopefully you'll continue to figure things out. But uh, when it comes to just Christianity alone, because I want to eventually get onto other religions, I want to bring on somebody from, you know, different spiritualities. Orthodoxy's always confused the living shit out of me. Really? And, here, and here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna preface, and then just just go ahead and blow my mind on shit. Sure. You guys think you're the Holy Catholic Church, the Holy Apostolic Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Yes, right. It's in the creed. Right. So 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 you think that, and. You, you guys, you guys believe in the Trinity or is that like yes. Greek Orthodox? You don't No, We all Orthodox Christians believe in the Trinity. Okay. So I'll, I'll ask this. What made, what made you guys split from the Roman Catholic church? And what the are Roman, some of the things that kind of, you know, make, make you different on that more like high church oh, um, you know, Orthodox end? Because I, so I, gl- I get, I get so bogged down with like the dates and everything. I am so glad that you asked me this. Okay, so if you put the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church side by side. Is that the fact, same as Greek? Yes. Okay. okay, so let me let me back up a little more. Every church in the Orthosphere, which is basically Eastern Europe um, and over into India, we all pretty much believe the same things. We're all Trinitarians. We're all creedal. Um, we believe in the scriptures and we have a broader tradition. So we're, we're basically on the same page in, in those terms of what's on the paper, communion. You know, it's the actual blood and body, but we don't try to explain it like the Roman Catholics do. Um, a lot of the other differences are just, are just cultural or the food or that sort of thing. So that, that's pretty much the only differences 
like with the Iraqi Orthodox or the Chaldeans, you might say it's, it was a, it was, it was a, it was literally a semantic issue between like the, the Indian Orthodox and the, the rest of the Orthodox that that they, they got lost in translation. So so it's like, it's like Coptic Christians. They're Orthodox, except the difference is that they're, they're going to do everything in Egyptian. It was a language barrier. All of it was a language barrier. So I, I would say, and I'm, I'm not a priest, obviously I'm not wearing the clerical collar, but I've, you know, I've taken the mindset from my time as a Protestant to be kind of the Minuteman Christian where like, yeah, I'll read the Bible, I'll study the theology and know the things that I need to know to do spiritual combat, but it's not my life's work. I'm a, I'm a painter and a tradesman, um, in real life. So that's the, that, that kind of sets the table for orthodoxy. Now getting down to where the split happened, basically the, before the, the actual split happened, the church was one, obviously in, in that area of Europe, what wound up happening is the Pope. And I'm, this is a very rough and dirty version of it. I I'm not going to Google a bunch of shit. Give me the drunk history edition. (laughs) That's the only way I learned shit. Yeah, well, yeah, well, cheers. So what wound up happening was, I think it was, it wasn't 1066. It was, I want to get the dates right, but um, it was before, it was sometime before 1066 where basically the, the Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic patriarch, the, the Pope, as he's now known commonly, sent a papal bull to the Patriarch of Constantinople and the Patriarch of Constantinople sent letters back to him. And basically it was just those two accusing each other of not doing X, Y, and Z correctly. And that's how the split happened initially. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the, the Pope in Rome tried to claim uh, judicial authority over all of the churches and the patriarch of Constantinople said, no, F off. Since I'm talking religion, I might mute my swearing a little bit, but basically said, no, F off. It's, it is a primacy of honor rather than a primacy of jurisdiction. Basically, everyone, all of the, all of the bishops and patriarchs on an equal footing, it's just lower bishops would defer to the patriarchs on matters of dogma and rulings and whatnot so that's kind of how it all went down they basically were talking past each other and then you have this split between the eastern christians and the western christians and i realize you're not gonna you're not gonna upload the video but basically that's what wound up happening and then that's basically how the split happened was there was a disagreement over who's in charge and that's where it ended up going was it was it like a was it like on on grounds of of faith, or was it on grounds of like legal jurisdiction? Yes, because the thing of it is, Peter went to Rome, and Christ said, "Upon this rock, I will build my church." And that gave the the Roman Pontiff the incentive to say, "I'm the boss." Where. It, Again, I'm just. Oh, wait a second. I think okay. I think this is where you where where you and I come at a different thought on this. When Christ says that to Peter, 
do you think that he actually meant by Peter, I will build the church? That's something I haven't gotten into. I mean, I think it may have been Peter's statement of faith that he's going to build the church. That's one interpretation of it. I, that's super nuanced, and I haven't gotten into all of what that means. Yeah. I, 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 tend, I tend to lean more Protestant on that, and that's where I disagree with my Catholic friends because they're like, that's where it all kind of descends from. And I'm like, well, does it mean specifically Peter? Not to downgrade his role, not to downgrade his importance, mm. but does it really specifically mean him? Right, and that's where and, – and the thing of it is that's a parallel disagreement between – basically, this is where the Protestants are on the same side as the Orthodox – was it the statement of faith or was it, or was it Peter in Rome? Um, yeah, that's, that's something I, I've largely either ignored or just haven't, uh, haven't really addressed in my own philosophical worldview. So that's all I have to say on that. I mean, basically it was, it was two men with egos going at each other and, then there was a split, and then you have all the fallout from that where, you know, the Turks came in and, you know, wiped the floor with Constantinople. And they tried to get support from the West, but the Greeks, it was the Greeks that did this. They didn't want to submit to the Pope. <laughs> and I, I came into Orthodoxy through a Greek Orthodox church. And now we call it Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> no, it fuck. It is damn it. Fuck, I can't stop swearing. No, it is it is Constantinople. I I'm not even going to say what I think of the Turks even though I've never I, really met a Turk, Turkish person. I, I have a I I have so on my on my fiance's side of the family, her brother married into a Greek family, and I don't know who who it was specifically, but they on their honeymoon went to Greece. And they met the actual like Greek Greek members of the family, and uh, you know the the brother is training to be a Baptist uh, minister, and at one point they were talking theology and stuff, and they got into the histories, and I, I guess the one super elder Greek. Uh, cousin or whatever was like, you know, underneath Istanbul is a Greek minaret. <laughs> and it is that, no, there are Greek columns everywhere. It will always be Constantinople. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't understand how somebody could still be so upset about something that happened so many centuries ago like that. You know what? I'm not I, discounting you know, it. I just think the, the the whole way, and I probably bastardized the entire thing. And if they heard this, they would get mad because, like, no, he he used a different word. But it's like it's it's kind of like that. It's it's hilarious, but that definitely does tie to how the culture evolves in that sense. Before we get into the theology, there is I don't think he said minaret. There is a statue under the ground of Constantine the Eleventh, who was the last emperor of Constantinople, and. One of the legends is that one of these days that um, that statue is going to come to life and restore the uh, and restore the and restore the uh, Eastern Roman Empire. That's metal. It is metal. I, I have some I have some stories in the back of my mind to uh, to write that, like make it a, and sell it to D.C. But I just I've been painting so much. I haven't had the time to actually write it up. But that would be that, that would be so sick. Can you just imagine yeah. like Metallica in the background? Oh yeah, yeah. No wonder the Greeks get so like 
fired up about that. Damn. Well, the thing of it is, that's what I don't understand about the Greeks because they originated logic, and logic is supposed to be, you know, kind of from emotion, but they get fired up about things. It's a Mediterranean thing. It's it's almost, and I think this is why, like a lot of people, like in the West, it's hard to really pin down orthodox christianity because it's like how much of it is really like theology and how much is it just based off like ethnic identity and culture there is there is no i'm actually well okay so i'll reveal this to the internet i was was about to say because your name does not imply that no 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 okay so we'll we'll fine we'll delve into some of my personal history so my biological father was um, at least half Jewish, if not more. But the thing of it is they were, his parents were refugees from the second world war. And my grandparents that I know were German Lutherans that adopted him because they couldn't have children. And so that's where I'm at. I'm at least half to a quarter Jewish. So I have some of the Mediterranean features with the, you know, the, the hair and the, the olive skin during the, uh, the, the summer and I've been mistaken my my wife's grandfather God rest his soul said that I look like a Mexican <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the nasally laugh I need to actually <laughs> but no okay but no I so I have some Mediterranean features and there's probably some ties to orthodoxy somewhere in there and, and then on my mother's side it's all Northern European, Scotch, Swedish, you know, all that stuff. So I I don't know what I am at this point. I'm just like a person with, you know, passive aggressive tendencies as, you know, passive passive aggressive Jew tendencies and shitty genes. And then like the will to conquer. I need to report this to my therapist, actually. But anyway, that would be something worth taking a note about. Yeah, well, I got it right um, here. So, so at one point, I, I know that you, for most of your life, you were, you were Protestant. Yes. What, what type of Protestant? Uh, that's, that is a, I'll try to give you the, the notes on this because I really want to get to Hawking Orthodoxy. I have icons I want to show you and all of this. But, oh, so you um, were an undercover Baptist too. Well, what wound up happening was <laughs> because my dad was born into a Lutheran family, they had me baptized as a Lutheran as a baby. And then this and that happened. My parents were basically like Adam Carolla's parents, you know, just a couple of fuckwits. And I'm being a little harsh, but that's the drunk, drunk history version of me. And they tried to send me to a couple of different churches in town on Sunday school so they could have a break from me. And, you know, I, I liked, you know, the Christian ideals and, you know, this and that. And then <clears throat> I wound up on a playground where I met a, uh, a friend named Jonathan. I'll just leave it at that. And he he was wearing a hat, much like my Peaky Blinders hat, but it looked more like the the hats that Mario and Luigi wear. And I'm like, hey man, you have a cool hat. Oh, so he, he wasn't friends. like a cowboy Jew. What's that? It wasn't like the cowboy Jews. No, no. The ascetics. No, it wasn't any of that, as far as I know. So I started going. I started going to church with this friend that I met on the playground and was introduced to the Evangelical Free Church, which is basically like five degrees uh, left of the Baptist because they would allow drinking. And then from there basically came up with them and my sworn family um, 
for about, I'm going to say up to high school, up till I went off to college to Liberty University, which I went to, and then became a Calvinist and eventually Presbyterian. And then this part I might take a little longer on. I ran into the CREC church, uh, the Confederation of Reformed Evangelicals, where they practiced pedo communion, baby communion, and uh, pedo baptism, baby baptism. And so by the time I met my wife, um, I was studying this as a theological issue. She and I were kind of at loggerheads on it. So I did some more research into it and found that there was a precedent in the in the orthodox church for giving uh infants communion and so i'm like okay this is precedent in church is this history. like something you brought up on a date no <laughs> this is the 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 pedo communion thing that was some it it might have been something that was brought up on a date but you know we were we were fairly serious when we met each other i mean it took us it took us about six months to decide we wanted to be together wow and um, yeah, so it was brought up. It wasn't even brought up on a date. It was brought up at just in discussions with each other. And so I, this was at home and, and we were like separated, like I'm compressing the story a lot, but by the time, you know, we were able to date and marry and all of that, it had been some years since I'd met her, but we were, I was trying to suss this out. And then I, that's when I discovered orthodoxy. And I'm like, okay, so there's precedent. Fine, whatever. We'll just leave it at that. I'll bring it to her and we'll talk about it. But I kept digging and digging. And so finally, I'm like, wait, there's an, or- I'm living in East Moline, Illinois, not to dox myself, but there's a Greek Nobody Orthodox. wants to go to Illinois anyway. Yeah, fuck Illinois. So, and, and sorry to my sworn family. They have a house in Illinois still, but I, they don't like we it. They all have they don't- laws. You fuck off. You do not talk about my family that way. How fucking dare you? I I love it. Every person I've met from Illinois is like, oh, I'm from Chicago. And it's like, okay, what part? Well, not really. It's like coming from it's like coming from Northern Virginia. Where are you from? DC. Oh, where in DC? Well, not actually DC. <laughs> Tangent. I've been watching the blacklist, which How centers like around it? DC. Yeah. What's that? How do you like it? I fucking love it. And I love, I, I, and I hate to say it. I love Ray, Ray Remington and don't fucking spoil me on anything. Cause I've already spoiled no, myself. I, on a couple I, I have, o- I've only gotten through halfway the first season because I started watching it before I moved here. So it's on my list of things to binge. I'm on season four. Oh yeah. I'm so far behind you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to the point, where was I wife? Uh, Eric orthodoxy makes sense. So yes. And it's, it, well, the thing of it is, I thought it made sense. I went and met the priest. He thought I was some fucking college student trying to like do a multicultural. I'm like, no, I'm interested in your religion. I didn't actually get that rude with him, but I'm just like, no, I'm actually interested. And so he and I talked and he gave me a couple books and I read them. I'm like, holy shit. This is the thing. This is it. And I'm not trying to diminish anybody else's come to Jesus moment in whatever religion they're in. But for me, with the with and it starts on a few things the continuity of of dogma in protestantism everything changes between one to 50 years i mean it just changes constantly 
whether you have a church split or you have one denomination breaking off from another. And so many theological issues are resolved in, in orthodoxy. For instance, how many eschatological theories are there in the Protestant world? Oh, how much time do you have? Let's compress it like I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> You've got, I mean, na- name a day of the week, and they're they're trying to figure it out. And, and this is my, I'll, I'll 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 ground it on this because I I've brought it up before, but it's like my issue with Protestantism is that everyone is their own priest. Yes, and that you know we can just look at you know, I think it's a sanctum sectora. Like we can just look at the Bible alone for it. And it's like, yeah, the answers are there, but there's also like hundreds of thousands of years of other history that you need to understand the context of what is happening. So that all that is basically thrown out that, and there's such a disdain for high church traditions and everything that what you're doing is you're shedding away the oral tradition of Christianity but you're also really diminishing it. So that way it just becomes kind of like a virtue signaling contest. So it it gets to the point where it's like, when that happens, like each time somebody at like, you know, a church potluck has a disagreement with somebody, they go and they start their own church. Yep. And, and then there's the biggest thing for me. And this is why I've just really like, I, I'm a, you know, die on this hill type of guy. It's like, if, if communion which is one of the only super sacred things we hold dear. If that is not blood and body, then it's nothing. And yep. I will fight anybody on that. It's a snack. It's a snack at that point. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, I, we're, I, think, we're in agreement. I, I, take, I take it a step further. I I've, I've told this to people. It's like, okay, so is Jesus a liar? And they, and they drop their meal. Oh my lie. God. No, you use that. You use that. I'm like, so, so are you suggesting that Jesus is a liar? They're like, whoa, how could you say that? I'm like, well, you know, if Jesus is God, then God, everything he speaks, he speaks into existence. He spoke the world into existence. So when he said, this is my blood and this is my body, whether they were physically consuming blood and flesh is not even relevant. What matters is that in that moment, it is what he says it is. So if it's not that, then, then is he a liar? And they well, flip their shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the habit of trolling or correcting Protestants. I leave them be because they share the three things that that unite Catholicism, Orthodoxy, and Protestantism: the the Trinity, the Bible, and the the consubstantiality of. Uh, oh, I fucked it up. Um, the the death and resurrection. The con- Death and resurrection, and the fact that Christ is God and man at the same time. So more than three things, but yeah. that's why I don't mess with them a whole lot. I'll I'll like throw subtle hints in, and even with my sworn family, when they ask me to pray, I don't do the long, you know, Protestant prayer. I do the you know the three second, you know, Lord Jesus Christ our God, bless the food and drink of your servants, and and all of that, and they're they're fine with it. One time, my sworn father. I know I'm going off on a tangent. One time, my that's sworn father got time. My sworn father actually extended the prayer and said some Protestant things. And I'm like, why? <laughs> because the thing of it is, everybody in Protestantism hates the person that waxes philosophical during prayer 
before a meal. And it's just like, shut up so we can eat. You know? Yeah. So hell, I'm trying to think of Yeah. So I mean that that's that's my issue of Protestantism. And you know, it's like why you know, for, for, for the most part, I mean, like I was baptized Catholic, like my father tried, but I'm pretty sure at one point he was just like, I, I, I give up on this child. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that I, I suddenly stopped being, you know, a believer. It's just that I don't think the whole Catholic thing is going to work for me. But, you know, the, the thing is, and this is why, like, I, I, I see this, I, I see this now and it bothers me more than ever before because like, I don't want to get into like, you know, the, 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 the black pillar, like post-libertarian shit. Nobody who doesn't know that gives a shit about that. But it's like, I look at the world right now and I'm like, where is society succeeding and where is society and where is society failing? And right mm-hmm. now, as much as I am a defender of Western civilization, Western civilization has really chosen suicide. And when I look at the East, when I look at Eastern Europe, and even when I can look at like, you know, fundamentally Islamic countries, regardless of religious difference or anything like that, they're not having their freaking state departments put out gender pronoun day. They're not, they're not literally, you know, trying to apologize for like murderers, serial killers and rapists and pedophiles. Whereas that is shit that's happening here. And it's like when I look at, you know, Orthodox Christian nations, it's like, yeah, the governments might be corrupt as hell. There might be a lot of other shit going on that is not perfect. But in terms of like an emphasis on the family matters, civil institutions matter, and some of these things are just not debatable, it's like we we have freed ourselves up and we have loosened ourselves up so much that when even our churches can't get grounded on basic biblical shit. No wonder the problems we're having exist. And I mean, I was a member of the United Methodist church and it has just become such a feral monster that it is, it is making things worse for everybody in that sphere. Wow. Um, first of all, can we take an editorial pause? Because I'm going to go fill up a drink too. Folks, we're going to take a minute and be back. (laughs) I had to use the can. Oh, I'm, I I was like, you know, if we're going to do this any further, I've got to get some bourbon at least. I could say that as a, I could say that as like a good southerner, since I have moved up north, my bourbon consumption has not gone down. Yep, I ha- I'm, I have um, I have Johnny Walker Red. This is so, okay. Like I, I have, I, ironically, I have the same bottle, and I grabbed that, but I, this one's a little bit older, and I want to go open it when a friend come visits me next month. But I don't know why I chose it, but I went to Trader Joe's and I got like this Trader Joe's bourbon and i well i broke a cigarette well cry cry more but like i i feel like this already this already looked like really pale so i was like you know i think this is gonna be kind of weird so i i I put in some drops of water in there and this is gonna be the first time we'll do an on-air review of me uh trying trader joe's bourbon hey hey clink cheers clink cheers clink so fuck where the hell were we 
Oh yeah, the Methodist mm, Church. Mm. All right, do your review. This is. Have you ever tried Evan Williams? At some point, yes. This is better than Evan Williams. And Evan Williams is shit. So like, this is just. <laughs> <laughs> this is just. This is just a step above Evan Williams. <laughs> Uh, I'm not buying that again. I'll finish it, but I'm not buying that again. <laughs> okay. We can we can move on. Okay, the United Methodist Church. Wow, because you mentioned that being like basically a rat hole of cats and dogs fighting the with United each other. United Methodist Church is the Evan Williams of mainline Protestantism. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I should say anything about this, but my no, I'm not. Someone I know who is close to me is a minister in that church. I'm not going to identify them because if they happen to find this, they will they will be hellfire to but pay. The woman, the woman who really and I, you know, I, I do mean the woman who brought me it back into Christianity was a United Methodist minister. Still is. She's one of the sweetest women that's ever been born. I love her. My life is different because of her. But that doesn't change the fact that something isn't working. I don't blame her. I'm not going to blame women for it. I'm not going to blame a lot of things. My issue came down to, like, when we are debating whether or not Scripture is God-spoken or not, that's where it's like, if you disagree with that, we're not going to be able to agree on anything else. Well, it's it's basically a fight between the conservative camp of the of the United Methodist Church and the liberal branch, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably a little more complicated than that. The, the but. liberal, the liberal branch thinks, literally thinks, that the Black Lives Matter movement is an extension of the Reformation. Um, they believe I'm, I shit you not. Um, they believe that they, and that's just a very recent thing. They they believe that you can. Uh, I need harder drugs, Ramzo. I you. I mean, you, I've got. This is all I've got. You can. Um, you can be openly homosexual and be a minister within the church and uh, a, a bunch of, a bunch of other things. And it's just like, yeah, th- th- those are, those were some of the biggest things that came down. And I, I wish more conservatives argued about this, but the liberal camp also believes that, uh, you know, Books in the Bible are more allegories than they are actual spoken history. Now, don't get me wrong. Are there allegories in the Bible? Absolutely. The Bible is not just one thing. It's a collection of different things. It's history. It's poetry. It's instructions. It's songs. It's it's letters. It's a lot of things. So this idea that it's all just, you know, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. It's like, if it's not real, then why would we have a freaking religion? Well, here's Say the thing. Say what it- you want about Scientology. <laughs> Those people die on that hill. They believe their shit to a respectable degree. Okay, so speaking of allegory. So the way the Orthodox view the 66 or 70 books of the Bible, depending on who you ask, it's it is an... It is a, um, what would I call it? A reflection of God and man at the same time. Because the way we got those books 
was because the Holy Spirit was inspiring the ecumenical councils that were putting those books together. So it's a cooperation between God and man. Now, obviously, God would have overriding power, but at the same time, it's a reflection of of Christ as to how those books were assembled. Now, the hacking off of other books, that's man's intervention. And, you know, where it got down to 66 books. Do you, do you guys have the Maccabees? Uh, uh, give me a second, actually. I think we do. I have a, where is my, where is my Orthodox Bible? Oh, it's downstairs. I'm not going to go get it. But yes, we do have the Maccabees. And that is some good reading. Let me just tell you. I think it's, it's, I think it's good reading is history out. That's, that's one of the other things where it's like, yeah, I'll definitely be processed on this one. I don't know if it's like worthy of being in the Bible. It's instructional. That's the, 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 this is where there's a lot of nuance in orthodoxy with the, with the books of the Maccabees and the, the other intertestamental books, they're instructional, but they don't hold the same weight as the actual old and new Testament. Again, that's my, you know, layman's way of interpreting it. Yeah, that, that's how, that's how we basically look at it. Now, most people don't even look at the Maccabees as something that's ever existed, which I think is another one of those things where it's like, you, you can, you can say it's not the same, but it doesn't mean you have to just completely get rid of it. It's not, it's nonsense because the thing of it is the people that the, the people that eventually got trapped by Jesus, so to speak, were imposing the, were imposing the pagan will on the Jews. And then eventually they ended up believing in the same God that the Jews do. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I saw the Rugrats special. That makes sense. The Rugrats special. Oh man. You never saw the Rugrats special, the Macca babies. No. Yeah. Well, I, I did in 1999 and that's how I first learned about it. <laughs> oh God. What are we doing? Um, it, it made, it made a lot of sense. I, I have to look that up. That I'm actually going to make a note of that. Macca babies. Yeah, Rugrat. Just do Rugrats Maccabees. The Rugrats actually do a great job of telling you like Jewish history. Like they're they're phenomenal at that. But um, it, you know, Mac, it's uh, babies. babies. All right, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. So, um. All right. So what other questions do you have? Because I, I have no, I have no time limit right now. I, I told what, my wife to really, stay up. What, what really like after a time. So, so right now with, with like the church of England and over the last couple of years, I have definitely drifted more towards like the Anglican tradition yep. um, for both reasons of faith and reasons of history. I, I think I'm coming around to the idea that I think maybe, and I could be wrong, at least, and you know, it splits hairs because with Christianity, we're splitting hairs on a lot of things in terms of like you know actual titles. But like, at least for the for the purpose of this basic understanding, I think the Anglican Church had at one point been the Holy Apostolic Church, right around the time of Reformation. While I definitely do consider myself a Protestant to a large degree, I think that what what went on in, in broader Europe with Lutheranism and, and others, and not even necessarily Lutheranism, but with Presbyterianism and with a lot of the other offshoots of, Pres of Protestantism that came afterwards, it's like 
that there's not there's not a lot of ground behind it. And I say that because like, you know, when we look at King Henry, for example, people like to bring up the fact that it's like, oh, this guy just wants a divorce. It's like, let's let's not let's not simplify it too much. You you had these like hundred years wars with France and this king who has been titled the the defender of the faith by the Pope is at a point where if he can't produce a male heir then there are going to be a lot of issues for the kingdom of England and with Europe as a whole. And at the same time, with with bishops in England, they're pointing out the fact that, you know, the church in Rome is kind of running afoul with a lot of shit. Luther agreed with those Anglican bishops, and Anglican is just British Catholic. So he, he agreed with a lot of them. So then you have the split. You have the Reformation and everything, I don't I don't understand how you have all these people running around just basically trying to also redoctor Catholicism, you know, Christianity, when we could just look at the facts that the defender of the faith has made a decision to make himself the head of the church and he's allowing these reformed bishops, these Anglican bishops, to really do what Luther wanted, which is to fix the Catholic Church in England. Well, that's that's actually an interesting question because uh, that then you have another thing where it's like Saint Joseph of Arimathea went to the British Isles to spread Christianity and there might be like you know the the um, the Holy Grail the Holy Grail yeah like King Arthur and the Holy Grail like that might be that's a whole other thing itself that's treated as more legend than history but like in terms you of might as well bring up aliens at this point sorry to talk over you I think I think the Holy Grail might be in England. But that's a whole, I don't know. That, that's a whole other thing. But like, so you have like you have like this apostolic thing where it's like the Saint Joseph of Arimathea myth, and I will I, I think I feel comfortable calling it a myth. There's not really a lot to go off of with that. But you know, in terms of just this, in terms of like when the Church of England became the Church of England, I I just would have thought that that would have made more sense. But that's another thing where it goes into where other people not willing to jump on that because that's seen as more of like an ethnic cultural change in a church versus a, a theological faith-based church. You have me on the back. Jump. You have me on the back foot in some ways, but the thing of it is King Henry the eighth, he, he is someone who basically threw a monkey wrench into apostolic succession in England. And the thing of it is, before, um, before who the fuck, um, the guy that invaded England in 1066, the French guy, uh, the Duke of Normandy, whatever. So England was basically Orthodox until he invaded, and so with the the Catholic 1015. 1015 was when the uh, was when the split happened, I think, between the the Roman Catholic and the um, the Orthodox Church. Um, you basically have King Henry throwing up throwing a monkey wrench. Are you sending me signals, Renzo? No, I'm 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 a very lightweight drinker, so I'm already starting to feel it. Well, blame that on your on your jujitsu and losing weight. So. <laughs> I, I I am I am all types of feeling off today. I rolled my ankle yesterday during a private session. Then I did. Oh, so you actually rolled it? You didn't break it? I I rolled it because I could feel my toes, 
I know a lot of people were voting for break just because they want to see that, you know, I didn't vote. I didn't vote. So because you were smart and you're just like, I'm going to just let him him make the announcement. Yeah. Yeah. All all, all the weight, all the weight cutting. So I could be in a better, I could be in a better weight bracket so I could compete later next year. Yeah. It's, it's making drinking a, a whole other challenge. I want to come back to that offline if we, if we have time, but, um, okay. So basically there's you a have, lot of overlap between Christianity and jujitsu. I don't know. I just said that just to say it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let me get back to, all right. So basically King Henry the eighth threw a monkey wrench into that whole thing after by, by, by calling himself the new head of the church. Yes, because there, well, the thing of it is there's only one head of the church, and that's Christ. The patriarch of Constantinople never claimed to be the head of the church. It was the whole thing of primacy of honor. And I know there's probably like linguistic things. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like Henry was putting himself like above Christ, but he was basically saying that I am, I am like God's emissary on earth. And if anyone's going to say that, if we're going to go down to like, you know, the divine right of Kings and everything, and I'm not a monarchist, like if we're really looking at it, like the church of England, even up to the queen and everything this day, like they do a pretty good job of going back in genealogy. Well, first of all, Spangle's going to yell at us for talking so much religion on this podcast. You freaking monarchist. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a I, monarchist. I'm just saying I'm, that. Hey, know. hey, hey. So I'm only a monarchist and I've, I've said, I've shared this in the group. I'm only a monarchist. If I have a shot at the throne, otherwise Republic all day. Yeah. Like the only dictator could be me. No, me. Yeah. Well, anyway, you get what I mean? <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So like if anyone at that time is going to say that they have the right to reform God's church. And and this is my problem with Luther. I don't think Luther was a bad guy. I think a lot of people attributed a lot of things to Luther that aren't necessarily accurate. And I think more people who understand the stuff really do identify because Luther was not trying to create a new church. He was not trying to replace the Catholic church. Absolutely. He had 95 problems, but getting rid of the church was not one. And, you know, when we look at everything that kind of comes after that, it's like, I'm not saying like, you know, the apostles had flaws, like everyone human has flaws. But like with, when you look at what, what comes out of that, there's a reason why the Church of England was pretty much able to stay pretty pretty much united and Protestantism throughout Europe is getting so messy. And this is before like the spread to the new world and everything. Well, first of all, damn bro, because it's you're heavy. Yeah, it well, it definitely cuz I Anyway, how many people do you know will, who will defend King Henry VIII? <laughs> oh, no, I do not defend him because he basically, I view King Henry VIII as someone that he just, he just wanted to get his rocks off with a woman that would produce a male to, heir. He wanted to prevent war. He's like, the French are going to go ahead and put a French king in charge of England, if I can't get a male heir, I want to stop war. I want to prevent this. I don't fucking care about England or <laughs> France. I really don't. I want to hawk orthodoxy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, 
let me let me ask you this, Remzo, before I I try to dig into orthodoxy and do show and tell with the uh, with some of my icons. That's my guy. Um, when I got into the Orthodox Church, I was named after Saint George the Dragon Slayer, That's and cool. Uh, it is cool. I've got a few other ones I w- I'm going to show you. Um, oh, he, here's you, a question: Are you yeah. so? So is he a saint? Yes. Do you, are your saints the same as Catholic saints? They are until the split. So anything so, past the split, anyone in the Orthodox Church who was made a saint. <sighs> is probably not recognized in Roman Catholicism. Yes. Okay. That's pretty much how it works. So I've got a few other ones I want to show you, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Um, Oh, fuck. Where were we? King Henry was a cool dude. No, he was not. He was a fucking bastard. Um, he threw the monkey wrench into, into the the whole thing of Cicero papism, which is basically the state and the church coming together, together, right? Being one thing. And there were some things in Germany about that, but whatever. And there were some insults between the Catholic and the, um, and the Eastern Orthodox church proclaiming him as the Holy Roman emperor, whatever. But before Henry took over England, and that whole area was Orthodox. And then traveling back, it was the French that imposed Catholicism on England. And oh, fucking hell. You know, the British spoke French before the French spoke French. What? If you actually look at the history of language in that part of Europe and the British Isles, English would not be spoken until after French was the primary language for so long. That's fucking weird. It is fucking weird. All right. So, all right. Ask me another question about orthodoxy. Just, just random number generator. Okay. So, so, so the church splits. How do you guys determine who saints are? Um, a lot of that comes down to, a lot of that comes down to local, local character. And by that, I mean, you know, what was this person known for doing and, you know, what they did, if they exhibited divine power. And by that, I mean, like the ability to heal that sort of thing, basically achieving salvation in this life. Now, the thing of it is that the difference between Protestants and Eastern Orthodox is Protestants. Oh, we threw out the saints. Yeah, I know. Protestants. I'm not cool with that. I'm just saying that's what they did. Except for the Lutherans. I well, except for the Lutherans. I still walk around. So I, I I've basically kind of like adopted because I'm I'm really a man without like a home church right now. I've basically adopted Saint Benedict as as my as my patron saint. Uh, I'm I'm big. You know, I I, I like Benedict. Saint Benedict the Exorcist. I mean, that's a man after my own heart. Well, that's because you go into fucking houses that are like infested with demons and you try to fight them. People are like, well, you're, you're Protestant. Why do you believe in the saint? I'm like, because you see the shit I've seen and you're going to want one too. <laughs> the saint, the saint that you wear around your neck, uh, was that St. Anthony or which one saint was Benedict. that? 
It's still okay. an addict. It, it's it's no. The, we it's talked the, about. I know we talked about that offline, but I, I've got I've got Saint Benedict and everything. Well, well, I have a Saint Michael pendant that I have on my backpack, but for different reasons. But you know, everything that I have, like I, I do own a rosary, which freaks a lot of my Protestant uh, friends out. Like I, do well, own they're a rosary. fucking idiots. Yeah, like I, I have, I, I have a, I have a, I have a rosary that has uh, a Saint Benedict coin on there. Like it does, and then I've got a Saint Benedict uh, uh, metal uh, bracelet that I've worn sometimes, especially when I've gone into uh, situations when I was filming the TV show. But yeah, most of the time I I do have a a Saint Benedict necklace I do wear most of the time. That's awesome. And I think, and here's my stance on saints, and I could be totally wrong, but my thing is like I don't pray to saints. I think the people that think that Catholics pray to saints, uh, they don't they don't understand how it works. Saints have been important to Christianity for for a very long time, and it's less about you know them. Some people call it the romification of of Christianity, but it's like, that's not necessarily it. You're not praying to saints. You're not believing that saints are on the same ground as Christ or anything. Saints were living embodiments of the best of what we could achieve when we put our full faith in God. And it's less about praying to them. It's more about remembering them and trying to channel that human bravery. That is the most Orthodox thing that you've said and somebody sent me a fucking voicemail why is my phone going off right now anyway um no and that 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 gives me something to grab onto because with the saints it's not so much that in the the rough and dirty saying of it yeah you're praying to saints but at the same time you're asking another human to pray for you and put the request into christ's ear whether you're you're you pray to the Virgin Mary, you're asking her to bend her son's ear, which that's a whole paradox in and of itself. You're asking her to tell Christ what's going on. Now, with and, and you can do that with with any saint or your your patron saint. Um. Go ahead. Do, do you guys put Mary on the same scale that the Catholics do, where it's like she's a, a celestial being? No, not not like they do. She's not co-redemptrix. What, what I what I really okay. I'm glad you say it. What I really like about Orthodox Christianity is I what, what I love about seeing about your churches and stuff like that is like your artwork carries around everything that really shows the best about your, your side of the Christian family tree. And like when, when I've seen some Greek Orthodox churches, it's like Mary, Mary is in places that I typically would not have seen Mary. And I would top, I would typically think that, Oh, that's more of a Catholic thing. Like I've seen uh, a, a Greek Orthodox painting of Moses talking to the burning bush and in the bush, you see Mary and baby Jesus. And it's like, what does that mean? It's like, well, you know, everything is leading to Christ. In this situation, we see Christ not born yet. So we'll we'll show him as an infant, but he comes through Mary. Therefore, Mary is there. And I'm like, I I feel like a lot of grasping is kind of happening, but it's not the same as, oh, Mary is one of God. 
which is what I thought when I kind of saw that. And I'm like, that's kind of Catholic in a way. It's not grasping. It's the fact that she, the Holy mother is the, um, is the bridge from the, from the, the world outside of time to this world. We view her as the new Ark of the Covenant, if that makes sense. Really? Yeah. yeah. Boom. Okay, I blew yeah, your that, mind finally. Yeah, that that's I I never knew you thought that. That's interesting. Well, Why do you think that? Because if you look at the, the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> I need to knock it off after this one, but the the Virgin Mary is <laughs> what? What? This is the perfect image. It's like we're about to start getting into orthoxiology with your cigarette. <laughs> the thing of it is, Orthodox people smoke. Is it because Fun. you don't want to live longer? No, it's because we like to pick <laughs> fucking Remzo. Oh my god! The next wall pool party. I know I, I threatened was, so. We 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 should we should have a fight club at the next one. Yeah, no i i threatened uh, I threatened Vaughn the other day, and um, yeah, I don't want to threaten you because you know you want to fight Dakota. Dakota's built. Oh yeah, stand by for tactical. Get after it. <laughs> Which uh, is so, my forbidden so, saying. How how. Where, where where do you draw that conclusion that, okay, at what point is Mary considered part of the Ark? Because, okay, so you have in the Old Testament, as I was saying, the the Ark contained the cloud of glory, as well as the, the staff of Aaron and the Ten Commandments and all of that. And the cloud of glory would follow the Ark this way and that, wherever it went. Mary is the Ark of the, uh, the Virgin Mary. Sorry, my Protestantism is coming out. Um, she's the new Ark of the Covenant because she carried Christ, which if you believe in the whole thing about the, the Old Testament and the appearances of the angel of the Lord and the cloud of glory, that was God the Son communicating to the people of Israel. And she carried God the Son for nine months and then gave birth to him. So that's why she is considered the the new Ark of the Covenant, if that makes any sense. Okay, that makes sense. I'm surprised. Oh, can, you, can you? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm surprised in your travels in the Church of England, you haven't come across that because there are a lot of parallels between the two. It's one of those things where it's like it exists, and I think I may have heard of it, but it was never seen as like essential essential doctrine. And, and yeah. you know, and and I, I just want to be transparent because of the pandemic and everything else and moves and shit. Like I, I have not been to a to an Anglican Catholic service yet. I've watched a ton, but like mm-hmm. I th- these are questions that I've I've wanted to get into on that. Uh, what, what can, can you explain the difference between like the church militant and the church triumphant? Because I think that's actually really cool. And I wish more people would, would understand that. Well, in my view, the church militant is those of us here on earth that are trying to convert and, you know, 
lay the lay out the table for people to come to Christianity. And the church triumphant is the saints and the folks that have died in the faith in a state of grace and they're in heaven. That's as best as I can explain it. I, I feel like with with Protestantism, it's like they e- even though we believe in heaven, I think a, a a classic error where I see a lot of people jump on, especially after like a loved one has died or something, is that they do really while they won't say it and while they won't admit it, there's definitely that point where they're definitely like, oh yeah, death is death. And it's like I, I still believe that people who have passed on to heaven, while maybe not always, maybe not in every situation, to say that there there's a complete and final disconnect between their intervention on earth is I, I, I don't believe in that. And that, and that's not me saying ghosts. That's, that's me, you know, kind of leading on the idea of like, you know, guardian angels and stuff like that. Well, the thing of it is there is a St. Paul in Hebrews 13. And I don't remember the verse. I think it's like six to seven. I could be wrong, but he talked about the cloud of witnesses. And he was using the analogy of the Roman Colosseum as a as a um, as an analogy for how God views us in the world, and all of the witnesses are in the Colosseum. And I realize you can't see my um, my hands moving around, but Christ is in the emperor's box. And then you have all of the people that are sainted or, you know, all the people that are sainted and you have people intervening. Okay. Fuck off notification. Sorry. We do this live folks. We do this live. Uh, That's why I would like, anyway. So the, the universe is basically the, a Roman Colosseum Christ is in the emperor's box and he watches everything. And the, what, the, what was the point that I was trying to make? The other people who's, who's in the stands. People who have passed on the saints, people who can intervene. That's how it works. And the, the intervention of the saints is, you know, when, when Orthodox Christians pray to the saints and ask for help, they jump down and help however they can, if they can. But we are also in a position to invoke their power to help us with things on earth. Is that uniquely a Orthodox Christianity thing? You, you, you guys are the only ones where I've actually seen that. I would say yes. I, I I mean I can't speak to my Catholic brethren, but um, yeah, because they they talk about the in pro, in the Protestant world they talk about the cloud of witnesses, and I don't know what that means in the Protestant world. But when I got into Orthodoxy, I was able to understand that a little better. But it's been so long since. How does somebody how does somebody become a member of your church? You go talk to the priest and you excuse me. 
I'm basically you go visit and you participate participate in some services. Ed- editorial note: um, I'm starting to lose it, Remzo. No, it's we're we're wrapping up in a minute because I gotta go take a <laughs> shit in a moment. But, oh God! Uh, no, I mean okay. So is, basically, go visit. Go visit the church, talk to the priest, and tell them that you've been, you know, searching and you want to join. And then you'll go into catechism and he'll basically take you through however many months of catechism or years, depending on the person. Years. And it depends. It really depends. Okay. It like, depends on how motivated the person who, who, is. Who do you have to pay? You don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> Remzo! Uh, well, th- this this has been this has been awesome. I learned a ton, and I, you know, you, you and I have wanted to do this for a while. And it's why I love doing episodes like this because did you really? Because uh, it's, it's I realize one of those things where it's like I I know a lot. And while I didn't, you know, like when it came to like, you know, Anglicanism and like the Church of England, stuff like that, like it was one of those things where it was like, I really had to question. It's like, okay, this is what I believe right now. How can I defend it? That's not King Henry. No, it's not. It's St. George. Oh, I'm just showing these off because (laughs) I I got these here because I want to show them off. I thought we were going to have a more (laughs) linear discussion, but. That's my Western side coming out. <laughs> Don't mess so with this guy. <laughs> He's showing me Jesus. The no, I'm showing him the the Christ Pantocrator. What's that? That's the name of the icon. Oh. So your Jesus never smiles like in a Baptist Sunday school? No. He's very <laughs> stoic. <laughs> Even though stoicism was a pagan concept, but that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> Dale, th- thank you so much, man. Uh, th- this has been a blast. I'm labeling this episode the drunk history of Orthodox Christianity. And, and I hope I hope more people, especially Christians, can just understand like and, and this this is where I land on it. And I never want to say that what I'm what I believe in a moment is something that I, I'm definitely going to believe later. I mean, I have a very strict base for this stuff, but like when it comes to a lot of the stuff, like, I don't think God, I don't think when you die, God is going to give you a theology exam. I think ultimately Christ is going to know who you are as a person. And that that's one of those things. I know you're, you're, you're grimacing right now, but it's I have, like, no, I have a thing. I have a thing, thing for you. What's I know you're trying to wrap up. I'm sorry. You have to take a shit, but the thing of it is the, I've got fabric the, cleaner in case I shit on my couch. <laughs> Orthodox version, I I will leave you with this. The Orthodox version of hell is that we do it to ourselves. And and here's why I say that, because God is, he he, he is a warming sun. If you die in sin, it's like applying a sun accelerator under yourself. But if you die in a state of grace, that's like suntan lotion. If that makes any sense. That makes more so, sense than what I was going to throw out. <laughs> we don't, t- he doesn't send anyone to hell. We do it to ourselves. Yes. I, 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 I like the way you put it. That's how I kind of. So it. you're Orthodox then. 
<laughs> go report go report to the closest Orthodox church in your area. Now I gotta start tithing regularly. Dale, uh, thank you so much. Love this episode. Take care, brother. You too.